0: We live in a world that's a mess. It is getting more whacked out every single day. But our Lord and Savior said this in John 16, These things have I spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world, and He has. If you are here today and you're not familiar with that, peace, may I introduce you to the source of it, the Lord Jesus Christ, The one the angels talked about here in Luke chapter 2. He came into this world, he made his arrival, and those lowly shepherds in the hills of Bethlehem heard those angels say in verse 14, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. That is a heavenly peace.
1: The Bible says that the gospel of Christ is the power of God unto salvation. Welcome to Pulpit Power, featuring Pastor Tony Skeving, Senior Pastor of Fargo Baptist Church in Fargo, North Dakota. Today's message was previously preached before a church audience. And now, here's Pastor Skeving.
0: Let's dig our Bibles, please, at this time and turn to the gospel of Luke and the second chapter, Luke chapter 2 Many years ago, we had a gentleman in our church here that was actually related to one of the two men who wrote the song Silent Night. Silent Night's probably the most beloved Christmas hymn that we know of, and it was actually written shortly after the Napoleon Wars when the world was sick of war, and they were really longing for peace. And there was a little church in Austria that was coming up on Christmas, and they wanted a a special hymn to uh, sing for the the celebration, but the mice in that church had actually bitten through the bellows of the church organ and wiped out the the church organ. And so uh, two men, Franz Gruber and Joseph Moore, sat down together, and they composed a song especially that could be sung without an organ. And as it turned out, on Christmas Eve in 1818, they sung the song together with a guitar And Silent Night was sung for the first time. The chorus of Silent Night is beautiful. The whole song is beautiful. But the the last line comes in with these words, Sleep in heavenly peace. Sleep in heavenly peace. I'd like to talk to you today about heavenly peace. In Luke chapter 2, we're going to read the first 14 verses. The Bible says, and it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, every one, into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, unto Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. Good will toward men. So the angels have appeared to the shepherds. you need to understand something about shepherds. At this time in history, they were the, the lowly of the earth. They were the downcast, and basically they were scorned even at the temple. You were a shepherd. You, you were unclean, basically, but of all people, God chose to reveal the birth of his son first to these shepherds here, of all the people in the world, of all the rejected people, he chose them. And the angels say to them in verse 14, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. We're going to be talking about that peace, a heavenly peace, but let's pray first, shall we? Father, we thank you for the opportunity to celebrate this time of the year, this Advent and Father, we thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ, the nativity, all of that, his arrival on this earth and what it led up to. And Father, we thank you for the peace that only you can give, the peace that comes from the Prince of Peace. And as we lift him up today, may he draw all men unto him. We pray now and ask it in Jesus' name, amen. There was a very unusual recording made here a while back. The title of it is Sleep Gently in the Womb. And it's a simulated recording. It's the sounds of a a, a mother's womb carefully put together with music that's conducive basically to an infant's well-being. And the thought is after the child is born, you play this recording to them and it calms them down. And it was developed by Japanese scientists. And they produced this uterine sound by placing actually a, a condenser microphone into the uterus of a pregnant woman and recording that sound. And then afterwards, when the baby's born, you play that same sound to them and it's supposed to be the most peaceful sound to a baby that would calm them down. You know, when a baby is inside the womb of his mother, that's probably the most peaceful time that they'll ever enjoy of their whole life because after that, It's kind of a fine how-do-you-do when they're born in this world, and they're lifted up by the legs, and they're slapped on the behind, and they're placed under bright lights on a cold stainless steel scale and weighed, and all of a sudden it's like a welcome to the world. It's a kind of a fine how-do-you-do, basically, that would put anybody in a foul mood, wouldn't it, if you think about it? You are at that point introduced into the world, and folks, according to the Bible, it's a world of a sin. It's a world that likes to fight. And as that child grows up, they begin to fight with their siblings, and they begin to fight with their cousins, and they begin to fight with their teammates, and they fight with their parents. And as they get married, they fight with their spouse, and they fight as church members, and there's just fighting everywhere. Folks, we live in a world that likes to fight. Uh, Prison inmates fight. Our own government fights. Nations fight. They like to fight. The Bible says this in Romans 12, 18, that if it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. It's like, it's just not going to happen. You do your best. But we live in a world of unreasonable people, do we not? The Bible says in 2 Thessalonians 3, 2, that you may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men. We live in a world, and the Bible puts it this way, there's such a contradiction of sinners against us. And it really is. So, as we talk about this heavenly peace, first of all, let's talk about the lack of it—the lack of peace. Earlier this year, I was in uh, Israel, and I was actually in Bethlehem, and it's the the land of the Nativity. And they have a church there to this day. A lot of speculation about where Christ was actually born, but they built a church over the cave that they thought that He was born into, uh, according to Constantine's mother. It's called the Church of the Nativity. It's a tragic, it's an ironic example of what I'm talking about here, this lack of peace. Back in the mid-1800s, the Roman Catholic Church placed a silver star in that particular place down in the basement of the Church of the Nativity where the cave is. Well, the Eastern Orthodox Church came along some time afterwards, and they wanted to place their star there alongside of it, and the Catholic Church refused to have them put their star there. Well, the Eastern Orthodox Church was backed by the uh, the government of Russia. The uh, The Roman Catholics were backed by France. But at that time, it was Turkey that had control over Palestine. Well, the Turks sided with France. The Russians declared war on the Turks. Great Britain, Italy, and France fought with the Turks. And the Caribbean War raged for the next three years, from 1853 to 1856... And 500,000 people died in that war. Can you imagine that? Half a million people over a star in a church. And when the war ended two years afterwards, that star was permanently removed. And it's ironic to think that as a result of something that was supposed to be a place of peace, that so many people died. You know, in Psalm 120 and in verse number 7, the psalmist said, I am for peace But when I speak, they are for war. Isn't that true? Isn't that what goes on? We live in a world that is lacking of peace. And you can go to bookstores and you can buy books about peace. And you can go to a counselor. And the crux of counseling today really is for people that don't have peace within. They go to astrologers. They take drugs. They go to psychologists. And honestly, you've got this world that cannot find peace. People are in turmoil And there's a plethora of people that want peace. And the age of Aquarius, folks, has become the age of anxiety. You know that stress is actually the number one killer when it comes to all the things that kill people. It's really heart disease caused by stress over cancer, over accidents, over anything else. 80% of all gastronomical illnesses are stress-related. The things that land people in a hospital are related to stress, and so you've got here $260 billion in this country every year spent on heart disease alone, and it's mostly stress-related. And hundreds of millions of dollars are spent yearly on therapy and prescription drugs to help people cope with stress. We lack peace. Now, in my other life, let me just, let me just say this. I was never a pot smoker. And honestly, I never thought it would become legal, But it has. It's almost as legal as alcohol right now. And you say, well, why do people smoke dope? Because they're trying to cope with life. Why do people drink alcohol? Because they're trying to cope with life. Honestly, if you compare the taste of alcohol to a Ritbeard float, there's no comparison. But yet people drink it because they cannot cope with life. They're trying to feel better. They're trying to forget life. And the fact is, folks, there's war in the human heart. And the result of that is there's war in nations. There's war in the world. Peace is rare. Do you know that less than 8% of the time of human history since the beginning of recorded time, less than 8%, there's been war otherwise. There's another statistic. Of the 6,000 years of recorded history, there have only been 286 warless years in all of time. And it's been well said, the only time there's a ceasefire is when they stop to reload. Isn't that true? You always got this fighting going on. 8,000 treaties have been broken since the beginning of time. 8,000 treaties. There was an English field marshal by the name of Lord Montgomery. And he was asked, if you were ever marooned on a desert island, what book would you want to have with you? And he said, well, that's easy. I'd want my own book, The History of Warfare. They said, well, you wrote it. You've already read that. He said, I'd read it over and over again. And I would try and figure out at 82 years of age, I'd try to figure out how to stop people from fighting. Isn't that the truth? How do you stop people from fighting? Because currently there's a war going on in Eastern Europe. There's a war going on in the Middle East. There's almost always a war going on somewhere in Africa. War, war, war. I remember as a nine-year-old boy, the summer of 1969 when Aldrin and Armstrong landed on the moon in the sea of tranquility. You remember that? And they placed the American flag there and they put a plaque there with this motto and it said, we've come in peace for all mankind. And they said, you know, the moon was such a peaceful place. And you say, why? Because theirs were the first footsteps of human beings on it. Man hadn't been there yet. Correct the peace. We have war in the world because there's war in the human heart. There's war amongst siblings. There's war amongst co-workers. There's war amongst married couples. Uh, I mean, kids in a sandbox can't quit fighting, and that's just our sin nature. We're born with it, and you don't have to teach kids how to fight. There's such a lack of peace, a lack of peace, you know, what is the cure for that? We'll be talking about it in a little bit, but it's, it's knowing the Lord and it's trusting the Lord. And that's why you have a Peter in Acts 12, the night before his head was to be chopped off, sleeping like a baby because he knew the Lord. That's why you have a Paul in a storm at sea in the latter chapters of Acts, who's calm in the midst of people are freaking out because he knew the Lord. Peace with God brings peace with one another and peace with the relationships of life. And in the, the midst of, of turmoil, you can have peace, but we live in a world that's lacking it. We see the lack of peace. Secondly, we see the longing of peace, the longing of peace. Now, Christ said in John 14, peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be Afraid. Notice he said the world doesn't have it. Not as the world gives it. He mentions here peace. And the New Testament use of the word peace remains firmly based in the Hebrew tradition of the Old Testament word shalom. Shalom means peace. You find it in the, the city Jerusalem, if you will. And it appears exactly 400 times in the Scripture as far as I can tell. And in the Old Testament the word shalom, and here's the definition, it means wholeness, wholeness, to be whole. It speaks of a harmony in, in the heart, and really a harmony that's intended to resonate in all relationships if we know the Lord and we have that peace. Now, the root word of shalom, it speaks of completeness. It's, it's like saying, I'm, I'm full, I'm content, and, and and peace, the word shalom, it, it means basically fulfillment. It it means tranquility. It means well-being. It speaks of soundness, wholeness. It's a tranquil state of the soul. You know, the night I got saved, I felt a lot of things. I felt a lot of things. And I really can't describe every way that I felt. And not everybody's the same, so don't go by what I felt. But, But there was such a peace. And we sing that song, Peace Like a River. That's really a good description here. When it comes to true peace, of the soul, this is something for believers. This is something for God's people. It's being able to say, "It is well with my soul," and you're assured of your salvation through Christ. You have nothing to fear, and the fact is, nothing can separate you from God—not even death itself. We did a funeral about a week ago for a dear lady, and I thought of this verse in Romans eight: "For I am persuaded that neither death." nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's a peace, folks. That's a peace. That's the peace the angels spoke of to the uh, shepherds in verse number 14 when they said, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. You know, we find a description of that same event in the famous Isaiah 9-6, which says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government should be upon his shoulder, and his name should be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, the Prince of Peace. It's no wonder the angel said, Peace on earth, goodwill toward men. I guess it's been over two centuries now when archaeologists uh, were digging in Ireland, of all places, my homeland, and they found two really magnificent chalices, silver cups, and they were both of, of Irish Celtic origin. And the first is known as the Gundestrup Cauldron. The Gundestrup Cauldron dates back 200 years before the time of Christ, 200 B.C., if you can imagine that. And at that time on the Emerald Isle, I mean, it was pagan. There were, there were Druids, and they were worshiping violent gods, and their god were warrior gods. And, and on this one cup, this old cup, the, the Gundrenstrup Cauldron, there's this, this inscription of this violent god holding this squirming human over a vat of boiling oil, about to throw it into the oil to appease other violent gods, And that's the gods of Ireland prior to the time of Christ. Well, the the second cup is called the Ardach Chalice. And uh, it dates back to about the 7th century, roughly 600 A.D. And keep in mind, 300 years prior to that, Pseudicus Patrick also known as St. Patrick, I believe an Anabaptist, had evangelized the Emerald Isle, and, and thousands of people have gotten saved. Hundreds of churches like this one were started from that influence. And so you find a cup from that era or after that time that is radically different. And, and you find on this cup the, the words of peace and hope and faith and resurrection. And it was actually designed to be a communion cup But I call your attention to the contrast between those two cups. And you say, well, what happened? Christ came along. Christ came along. Peace comes from Christ. And when Christ comes into your life, peace is one of the many gifts that we enjoy. Did you know that? We're told this in Galatians 5, that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, Faith. Notice peace amongst all those other glorious attributes. Those are what God's people know when we know the Lord. You know that the Lord has also promised to send peace to us when we ask for it. Notice in Philippians four it says be careful, that word means full of care, anxious, be careful for nothing. But let your request be made known unto God, and the peace of God which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Peace comes from God. Where does it originate? It comes from God. It comes from making peace with God. You say, well, wait a minute, Pastor. Me and God are like that. Not if you're not saved. Because you have to make peace with God in order to have peace. You know what it says in Romans 5.10? For if when we were enemies... We were reconciled to God by the death of His Son. Much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. You know what that verse is saying? You need to be reconciled unto God. I talk to a lot of people, even in this community, and they think God and them are like this. No, if you've never been saved, you need to be reconciled. The Bible says when we were enemies, and you're an enemy of the Lord before you come to saving knowledge of Christ. You know, there's a false religious message being promoted and preach today, kind of an I'm okay, you're okay kind of a thing. You are not okay with God unless you have been saved and made peace with Him. You are not born okay with God. In fact, the Bible teaches you were born a sinner. Talked about that a moment ago. Separated from God. Did you know that? Isaiah 59 says, But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you. The Bible teaches folks that we are born spiritually dead in trespasses and sins. So you're not automatically naturally born into this world at peace with God. That is a fallacy. The Bible says we are at enmity with God. You know what that means? It's not a word we use a lot, but enmity means we are at odds with God. That word enmity it's found 8 times in the Bible. And over half of them speak of us being at enmity with God. And that's why the Lord Jesus Christ had to come into this world and die for our sins. Now, notice Colossians 1 says of him having made peace through the blood of his cross by him to reconcile all things unto himself. How do we find peace with God? It's through that blood Christ shed. It's through that sacrifice He made for us on Calvary's cross. It's by putting our faith and our trust in that 100% plus nothing, minus nothing. The Bible says in Ephesians 2, but now in Christ Jesus, ye who were sometimes were far off are made nigh. that word means near or close, how? By the blood of Christ, for He is our peace. How do we make peace with God? Well, Christ called it being born again. The Bible calls it being saved or converted. But it's having that time in your life, friend, when you realize you're a sinner, you can't work your way to heaven, your baptism does not wash that sin away, does not make you a child of God. That's a man-made invention. It's a man-made tradition. Your salvation comes only by placing all your trust in that sacrifice Christ made for you and that blood that He shed. And when you do that and you are born again, You have what I described a moment ago, a peace, a peace that comes from God through Christ. The world doesn't get it because the world doesn't have it. They don't have it. You know, we talk a lot about Christmas. and We know the meaning of Christmas. And we talk about the reason for the season and don't take Christ out of Christmas and so on. But we live in a world that's done that. We live in a world that's commercialized it. It's all about Christmas parties to them. It's all about buying. It's, it's all about cash registers ringing of merchants. And, and they just don't get it. And there were actually two elderly ladies in a store some years ago. And uh, they were looking at the display there in the, in the department store window. And there was this nativity scene. It was Mary and Joseph. It was baby Jesus. It was the animals and all that. And one lady got particularly perturbed about that. And she turned to the other lady and she said, leave it up to those Christians to try and hone in on Christmas like this. They don't get it, do they? They've missed the point. They've missed the point. True lasting peace comes from God and it's for God's people. Romans 5.1 says, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. How do you make peace with God? through our Lord Jesus Christ. He's not one of the ways to God, folks. He's the only way to God. And if that's not true, then he is a liar when he said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by me. Christ is the only way to God. It's not your baptism. It's not your good works. It's not joining a church. It's by placing your trust and your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, folks lack peace. And you say, well, how do I get it? Read that verse again behind me. Therefore, being justified by faith, that is in Christ's blood, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you lack peace today? You know, one of the greatest lacks of peace out there is with yourself. I'm talking to somebody right now, no doubt, in a, in a crowd like this, that has an inner turmoil, And there's something in your heart that's not right. You're not at peace with yourself. There's a rumbling there, if I I might put it that way. What is the cure? What is the cure? Well, salvation. Salvation. Being born again. Therefore, being justified by faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And if you've done that, if you are a believer, may I remind you of another great, great verse from Isaiah 26. It says, Thou... Speaking of God, we'll keep him, speaking of us, in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. How do we keep peace after we've been saved? Well, we keep our mind on him. I can't tell you in the 40 years how many countless times of ministry uh, there have been when I have woke up troubled, and I've, I've thought of this verse. I've meditated upon this verse. I'm telling you, it's it's done wonders for me. Thou wilt keep him, that's me, in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee. Why? Because he, that's me, trusteth in thee. I can't tell you the times I've been able to fall back to sleep. Meditating upon that verse. It is so true. Keep your mind stayed on him. There was a young Christian man years ago who had, not been saved very long, and he's really eager to please the Lord. And so he sat down and he wrote on a piece of paper, a list of things that he wanted to do for God or give up for God. And, and he thought, I'm going to go lay this on the altar at the next service. And he did. And he walked away expecting joy, but he didn't have it. So he went back home and he made that list longer. He added some things and he, he put that on the altar and he still felt empty. And finally, he went to his pastor and he said, Pastor, this is what I've done. Why don't I have a piece yet? The pastor said, you've gone about it all wrong. His pastor pulled out a blank sheet of paper. He said, sign your name at the bottom of this and put that on the altar. The young man did. And he had a piece. In other words, God can ask anything he wants. I've already signed it. I've already committed. And when he did that, He found peace. Now, folks, when I talk about peace, I'm not talking about the absence of anxiety or conflict or animosity or whatever, but I am talking about the presence of a joyful tranquility that God's people can have if we keep our minds stayed on Him. Well, we've seen the lack of peace. We've seen the longing of peace. And finally, let's talk about the Lord of peace, all right? the Lord of peace. Now in Romans 15, the apostle said, now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. There is a peace that comes in believing in the Lord of peace. You know, we live in a world and it's a fantasy world and people are living in a fantasy world. I'm talking about soap operas. I'm talking about every night going home and watching sitcoms and, and dramas, mostly fiction mostly fiction. Movies are fiction. The actors are fake. The props are fake. It's an imaginary world. It's all fake. It's castle in the air stuff. But the story of Jesus Christ is real. The Prince of Peace is real. You know, the day of his birth was real. It's a real day. Look in Luke 2 again. Verse number 11, the angel says, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. It was a real day. It wasn't some mythological, imaginary story. We read that that Augustus was, was the emperor at the time. Cyrenius was governor of Syria. It was a real time. Folks, it was a real day. In fact, it was a day that had been planned in eternity past. And in Galatians 4, it says, but when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman, made under the law. It was the fullness of time. The day had arrived. It was a real day. But secondly, it was a real city. Notice in verse number 11, for unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior. So it happened in a real city, not a place called Narnia, not in a galaxy far, far away, Not in some imaginary place, it was a real city. And by the way, it's about 6,000 miles, about 6,200 miles from Fargo. And it's a city that still exists to this day. It was a real place. Notice in verse number two, or verse four. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth unto Judea unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Bethlehem's located about mm, eight miles south of Jerusalem, and Micah the prophet, seven hundred years earlier, foretold that that would be the place. In Micah five two, it says, "But thou, Bethlehem, out of thee shall he come forth unto me, that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from of old, from everlasting." So it was a real day. There's a real place. Thirdly, the savior of the world. Was real. Notice in verse 11. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior which is Christ the Lord. Here He is, folks. He's on the very earth that He has created. If you can imagine that. He's come to willingly die and sacrifice Himself for the sins of this world. The Savior had arrived. And He was a real Savior. But let me just say this. When He returns again, and He is coming again, folks, no question about that, many more verses in the Bible tell us He's coming back again, and when He comes back again, it won't be to be a Savior, it won't be to bleed, it won't be to die on a cross, it'll be to judge, it'll be to rule, it'll be to reign. And that same passage in Isaiah 9 goes on in verse 7, it says, "...of the increase of His government and peace, there shall be no end upon the throne of David." And upon his kingdom, to order it, to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth, even forever. Of his government and peace, there should be no end. Folks, that's when we'll finally know peace. So peace comes from God. It comes through Christ. We read in Philippians 4, 7, And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds, notice, through Christ. Jesus comes from God through Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ even spoke of himself in a peaceful way. In Luke 10, he told his disciples, and into whatsoever house you enter, first say, peace be on this house. And if the son of peace be there, your peace shall rest upon it. Now, he calls himself here the Son of the son of peace. Christians are not beyond anxiety or stress. Or depression. In fact, these are very real things. And I know of even Christian folks, and they're getting counseling, they're getting uh, therapy, and I'm not trying to minimize uh, by any means going through a hard time. But before you examine your symptoms, let me just say this. Check on your relationship with God. Check on your relationship with Him. Check on your devotional life. Check on your quiet time, your actual spirituality. How's that doing? And you say, well, why do you say that? Because Psalm 119 says, Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. How is your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ? How is your walk with Him right now? You say, well, how does that enter in? In every single way. Why? Ephesians 2 says, For He is our peace. He is our peace. Now, folks, we live in a world that desires peace. Uh, they have peace protests. They march with signs. You know, incredibly, I know of many peace protests or peace march that has broken out into a riot. Isn't that ironic if you think about it? It reminds me of this verse There is no peace, saith the Lord, unto the wicked. It's a totally different game with the world. Christ comes along, he says this in John 14. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. And so the the world doesn't have the corner on peace. Oh, they talk a lot about it. They write songs about it. They make movies about it. But they know very little of it. The world doesn't know peace. Peace comes from God. Peace is something God's people are entitled to. And after you're saved and you have this new nature... I have to tell you, you still have the old nature. And that's, that's really something to work on because that old nature can wreck the peace. And so 1 Peter 3 says, let him seek peace and ensue it. Be a peacemaker, not a troublemaker, a peacemaker. You see, the Bible says this in Hebrews 12, follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. You know, I can always tell when a believer is operating in the flesh because they wreck wrecking the peace. I've learned that in 40 years of ministry. They wreck the peace. Mom, Dad, teach your kids to be peacemakers, would you please? You know, my folks didn't do everything right. I didn't grow up in a home with the Bible, but I am so glad that I did grow up in a home where Mom and Dad set the example of being a peacemaker, going around the mud puddles and not sloshing through them and trying to keep The peace, folks, we want it in our families, don't we? We want it in our government. We want it in our church. We want it all day. We want it every day. And the only way we're going to have it if we are walking with the Lord. And we have Him and His presence and the gift of peace. You know, we use this uh, benediction, the Lord be with you. And that's that's a precious benediction. It really is. But it's connected to peace. Did you know that? 2 Thessalonians says, Now the Lord of peace Himself give you peace. Always, by all means, the Lord be with you all. That benediction, the Lord be with you, comes with peace. Be a peacemaker. Paul continually prayed for peace, even within the churches. And even in a local church, a New Testament church like the church in Corinth, it had been interrupted because the devil loves to disrupt the peace in your home and in this church. And Paul said in 1 Corinthians 14. For God is not the author of confusion. But of peace. As in all churches of the saints. God give us peace in Fargo Baptist Church. I have a little poem to share with you. Called My Church. A room of quiet. A temple of peace. A home of faith. Where doubting cease. A house of comfort. Where hope is given. A source of strength. To help us to heaven a place of worship, a place to pray. I found all this in my church today. Now, folks, in this coming year, I have an admonition for all of us because we're all depraved. I'm depraved, you're depraved, right? We're all depraved. So I want to give you an admonition for this coming year to determine to be a peacemaker and to work on that because Christ said, blessed are the peacemakers for they should be called the children of God. And so, by all means, go out of your way. I'll go out of my way. It's going to take some effort, but let's keep the peace. Ephesians 4 says, Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Endeavoring means striving, working at it to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. Go around those mud puddles, okay? Let it ride. Or let's mind our own business. Let's stay in our own jurisdiction, our own swim lane. And let's leave well enough alone uh, and, and work on this. And try not to impose our opinions on others. Folks, we don't have it all figured out, honestly. And, and for us to think we do and, and cause trouble basically is pride. Bible says only by pride cometh contention. So let's lose the pride, all right? If we have the Prince of Peace living within us, I read this just last week in Isaiah 48, we can have peace like a river. That's where that verse is found. Peace like a river. Now, we live in a world that's a mess. It is getting more whacked out every single day, honestly. But our Lord and Savior said this in John 16, I'll close with this These things have I spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace in the world. You shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world, and he has. There's a song, and we sing it here, there's a peace in my heart that the world never gave, a peace it cannot take away. If you are here today and you're not familiar with that peace, may I introduce you to the source of it, the Lord Jesus Christ, the one the angels talked about here in Luke chapter 2. He came into this world, he made his arrival, and those lowly shepherds in the hills of Bethlehem heard those angels say in verse 14, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, good will toward men. That is a heavenly peace.
1: You've been listening to Pastor Tony Skeving of the Fargo Baptist Church in Fargo, North Dakota. If you would like a CD of today's message, you can obtain one by sending a gift of $2 to Fargo Baptist Church, 3303 23rd Avenue South, Fargo, North Dakota, 58103. That address again, Fargo Baptist Church, 3303 23rd Avenue South, Fargo, North Dakota, 58103. We hope you'll join Pastor Skeving next time right here on Pulpit Power. Pulpit Power is a production of Heaven 88.7.